this is the, um, obviously this is Paul's, really it's a rebuke of what the church at Corinth had done wrong when they, Paul had obviously heard how they were handling the Lord's Supper and they were not handling the Lord's Supper in a biblical way. So this is Paul not only going to tell us what the Lord's Supper was about, he's going to correct some problems at the church at the church at Corinth. Reminding, but it's a table of remembrance now because on the front of the Lord, you may not can read it because it's dark, but do this in remembrance of me. And of course, especially Peter mentioned several places about we have a tendency to forget, so we need to be reminded. We need to remember what the broken body, the bread, which represents the body of Christ, sinless, without leaven, sinless, but a human being, uh, God, the Son, added humanity. That's the incarnation. So, and that's a great important doctrine. God, he was all God all the time. He added humanity. The song Love Was When God Became a Man. He added humanity. He was a, a Jewish man. And so he suffered as a man. So we remember him as a human being, God in human form, being punished and bearing our sin guilt, our punishment, and then we remember the bloodshed going all the way back to Genesis when sin first entered the world. There had to be a blood covering. It had to be an animal that was sacrificed. Well, Christ is the ultimate sacrifice. It's the blood of the, of the Lamb of God who as John the Baptist said, takes away the sins of the world. So we're remembering the, the incarnate Christ who, who gave himself as a substitute to, you know, blood, you know, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission, but we're, he, bought us, he bought us back by the shedding of blood. It's a, it's a great table. This is what the Christian life... Folks, Understanding what these elements mean will liberate you from having a meaningless life. You know, my life's not perfect, neither is yours, but my life has meaning. Your life has meaning because of what Christ did, right? He became a man. That's said it earlier, you know, you died. But your life <laughs> tells you where your life comes from. It's hidden in Christ. Isn't it awesome? Fantastic. You know, but not only does I think about, I'm going to begin reading it, verse 17, 1 Corinthians 7. But if I think about the peace, the peace of God. It, this gives me meaning. I understand, I, you know, I, I understand life. I understand the reason I'm here. My life's not meaningless because of what Christ is in. But also it gives me an incredible sense of peace. And Paul was right in, in Philippians. It's a peace that passes all understanding. You, you just have no idea how God does it. He brings you his, his kind of peace. Anyway, um, and we're going to find that also this is a time of examination. We need to examine uh, our own hearts. Be, be 
because we don't want to take these elements in a flippant way. You know, it's like if you're here and you're living in open rebellion against Scripture and against the Holy Spirit and against God's Word and the, and the life of Christ, and, and then you're going to take these elements with no desire to repent of those sins, that's open rebellion. That's taking these elements in an unworthy manner. We want to examine ourselves. We want to say that we're pursuing, we want to be like Christ. How dare us take these elements and desire in our hearts not to live for Him? Uh, by the way, if you're here today and you're not saved, if you take these elements, that's not going to save you, is it? It's just, it's just some Welch's grape juice and some unleavened bread. How can you get saved doing that? But for those of us that are saved, it's incredible. The spiritual, it's food. It's a table. It, nur it nourishes us, unlike anything else. You know, and I'm going to chase a rabbit here, but I've been talking about the church, and my class has taken a month or so, and I've been talking about church life and why church membership is important, those kind of things. And I'm just going to say this. People who claim to love Jesus, and by the way, I don't think you can love Christ and, and not be in His church. Okay? I think if you tell me you love Jesus and don't attend church, the Bible condemns that, by the way. Because how can you not love what He gave? He paid the ultimate price to, to redeem the church anyway? So think if you're not committed to the local church. And some of us not... Uh, I'm a preacher, so I have to be in church all the time. I'm not saying, if I was a lay person, I, I would struggle with you, the struggles you have. I'm, I'm not acting like I'm super spiritual. But let's say you're here and, and you, you, know, you weren't where you should have been for several months or a year, and you knew that. And maybe because of that, you missed going to the, coming to the Lord's table. That's sad. But can you, can you imagine being saved and never, ever coming to the table because you're not quote, you're not active in a church. And I meet people like that that will say they're saved, whatever. I could say I'm a distance runner. Or I could say anything. But <laughs> you know, I don't much believe them just like you wouldn't believe I was a distance runner. But how can you, how can you say that? You never have... So if you're not involved in the body, you're not coming to the... That's a command. You know? As often as you do it, do this in remembrance. It's a command. The remembering part's a command. In the ordinance of baptism, never get to celebrate somebody's baptism. Anyway, that, I chased that rabbit and I killed it, so let's move on. 1 Corinthians 11. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you. Chapter 11, verse 17. Because when you come together... It is not for the better, but for the worse. Well, that's terrible. Coming to church and it being worse off because you've come together and what you're doing. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. Again, just think about being one body. The fact that we're a body with a head, many members, but one head that makes one body. How can you come together and how representative that is? All that represents is, is unity, right? The whole thing represents unity. Many members, one body. And he's saying, and when I, you come together, guess what there, there's going on in the church? Divisions, right? What hypocrisy, okay? 
He says, I hear that there are divisions among you. And he says, and I believe it in part. For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, is it not the Lord's Supper that you eat? It is not, I'm sorry. It is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. So obviously they were bringing their covered dish with the Lord's Supper. Okay, that's what they were doing. See, this is biblical. Covered dish is biblical. Remember that, okay? <laughs> covered dish. And uh, so, for in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry. Now, this, is this unity? One goes hungry, another gets drunk. Because they brought a bunch of wine, and they're going to sit around and drink it all. See? So, one... One's starving to death because he didn't bring a covered dish and you're not sharing it, which you should because you're a body you share. And another's getting polluted. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do, or do you just... By the way, he deals with that later. That, that, but also, that's copying the pagan worship of Corinth. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. For I received from the Lord. That's important. Um, you know, when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper in the upper room, Paul wasn't saved, and so he wasn't there. But God saved him on the road to Damascus, and several times in Paul's life, he says that Jesus appeared to me and taught me, and this is what he's telling us. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, delivered to you that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me that's what's on the table in the same way also he took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Now, let me say something you may have never thought about. And I have mentioned it when I've read, preached out of first, I mean, out of John 14. But, you know, at the Passover, they would have multiple cups. Four cups normally, and I think this is the third cup. And there'll be a fourth one that we're going to drink at the, at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Okay, we're going to... But also, did you know that in a Jewish wedding, I didn't say this the other day when I was talking a bit about Jewish weddings again, but because we're, we were at the marriage supper of the Lamb, that, that when the betrothal took place and the, the, pledge, the covenant pledge was read, when, when the bridegroom, when the groom and his dad gave the bride 
and the bride's father a covenant that made all these commitments of what he was going to do. I'm going to take care of her. I'm going to provide for her. I'm going to love her. I'm going to... All these things he would pledge to put it in writing and, and he would give that covenant and they would seal that by drinking wine. And it's interesting. You can read the Jewish... This, you could almost say this is much like that, that, that when, we, when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, it's, he's saying, you know, I'm making a covenant with my bride. I've made all these promises. And then he gives them the cup and they drink it with him. Just a great picture. I'm not saying that's exactly what Christ had in his mind because obviously he's they're going from the Passover to the Lord's Supper, but it is an interesting picture. This is my body, which is due to me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Mm. Mm. That's the, we, just the oddity of when you, as a believer, this makes all the sense in the world. You proclaim his death until he comes. I mean, what other context does this even make sense except for Jesus Christ who's conquered the grave, right? You proclaim his death until he comes again. Whoever, therefore, this is very important. We, we know about the Lord's Supper, but we forget these next verses. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy, not as flippantly, you know, off the cuff, meaningless, a routine, Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup or either one, the, the body, the incarnate broken body, the blood covenant, in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of Jesus. The book of Hebrews says that when a Christian does that, it does, it's not talking about the Lord's Supper, but when we openly sin, it says it's, it's as if we crucify the Son of God and put Him to open shame again. You know, because they stripped him of his clothes and hung him on the cross. It says when we live in defiance of his word, it's like we crucify Jesus again publicly and humiliate him. Because this is not how we should be living. We, we should remember the body and the blood. So be we're guilty considering the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so let and so eat of the bread and and drink of the cup. We have to examine ourselves. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body. Eats and drinks judgment. On himself. It doesn't say he goes to hell. But we eat and drink judgment on ourselves. And then Paul goes in and says. That's why many of you are weak. Some of you got sick because of it. Yes. I mean it's God's plan. He can do anything he wants. And some have died. So some people's disobedience was so bad. God took them out. That's interesting, isn't it? So we want to examine ourselves. And folks, I, many of you probably don't follow what I'm doing on Friday mornings, but I was so overwhelmed with just, I'm doing favorite Bible, or favorite doctrines or important biblical truths that every Christian should know. I'm, that's, I've only gone three weeks, but I, I just started reviewing those scriptures I was on my third Friday morning and it, I just got so touched by God's grace 
So I, I want to read them. I, so I want to read these verses to you. This is what I'm doing on Friday mornings. And you don't have to watch. It's just what I've been doing. Why don't you go to Romans 1 real quick. I'm going to read these passages. And then I'm going to invite the men down and we'll do the elements. Uh, go to Romans 1. It's going to take, we're going to have to do a little flipping. Go to Romans 1. This was the first verse I did. So I, I'm saying, okay, on Friday mornings, I, I, it's about 15-minute study. I, key doctrines or important Bible verses. Here's the first one I did. Verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news. Uh, you could even say the good message. Uh, and this is... This is, this is redemption. This is the good message, Christ. For, for it is the gospel. Now look at what your Bible says. This is why you need to share it. It is the power of God for salvation. <laughs> so you share the message of a, of a crucified Christ, a resurrected Christ, the substitutionary death, and this is what God uses to save people. Okay? So, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Have to believe it, right? And accompanies that, you know, believe there's repentance and right, all that goes with it. To the Jew first. But look at verse 17, just as important. For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. This is how righteous God is. His son had to be the substitute for sin. So if you're here today, again, I do this a lot lately. Do not kid yourself that God's going to make an exception for you. The only way of salvation is through the death of Christ and you're trusting Him. Not just having a mental assent that He's who He says He is, but trusting in Him as Lord and King and Master and letting Him transform, not only saving you, but but when you when you are when you repent, he not only he births you new. We'll read about that in a minute. This so in it in the gospel, it it reveals God's righteousness. And the only way you can be righteous is through Christ. Does that make sense? Wouldn't you rather have that kind of righteousness, knowing that you can't do your own right? He says a righteousness comes by the law, but you can't do it right. You sinned enough today to send everybody in here to hell, right? Because how many does it take? One. Romans 1. Now we go to Galatians, sorry, Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2. You take a right. Past Corinthians and Galatians and Ephesians. Ephesians 2. And this was my second verse. Important key verses. Uh, I went way back in the text in Ephesians 2, but I'm going to just do 8, 9, and 10. For by grace, so those of us that are saved have been transformed. I've been born again. God has made me new. He's redeemed me. Whatever terms you want to use, His grace has, has been poured out upon me and you if you're saved. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. 
the salvation nor the faith. That's not your own doing. It is the gift of God. So, folks, that's why people, some people can hear it, hear it, and hear it, and they just don't believe it. And then all of a sudden, God's grace, as a book I have on my desk, in my bookshelf, willing to believe. The Spirit of God quickens them and makes them willing to believe it. And all of that is of God. It's what it's Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And then, for we are His workmanship. We're His work of art. By the way, God wants to display His works of art. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Saved people that have been transformed by the grace of God want to do good works. That's what we're created in Christ. Created in Christ Jesus for good works now. So that's the second one I did. Now go back to 2 Corinthians. Okay? 2 Corinthians. And we'll finish with this. This is my favorite Bible verse passage just because of of it being so realistic. I'm going to go back to verse 14. For the love of Christ controls us. The word control means makes you focused. Uh, Narrow vision. Uh, For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for... For their, for their sake, died and was raised. So we don't live for ourselves. We're living for Him who died for us and was raised from the dead. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. He, talking about differences in color, skin color, culture. Even though we knew Christ according to the flesh, but we don't know Him that way any longer. Therefore, because here's what matters. I don't care where you're from. The sin in the garbage can, all that, What matters is, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, anyone, if anyone. So if I ask you if you're in Christ and you say yes, then this next statement is for you. If anyone is in Christ, he is, by the way, this is emphatic, a new creation. So if you're saved, guess what you are? A new creation, right? And we're talking about He reverses the curse and He gives you a new nature and makes you brand new. He is a... the And it says the old has passed away. Is that true of you? This is a, this is a statement of truth. The old has passed away. And, and then He says, wow. It's translated, behold. Wow. The new has come. This is called regeneration. This is the new birth makes. So the old passes away. And a lot of people can start New Year's resolutions or make a... It doesn't last like this. But then all of a sudden he says, wow. Everything's brand new. Anybody who's ever been saved, that's them. So I have to ask you, is that you? 
It's about the gospel, it's about grace, and it's about the new birth and God making you new. And it happens because Christ became a man. Amen? I'm going to invite my servers to come. And as they're coming, Walter, let's sing. Uh, let's go ahead and sing that first verse. We'll serve it right back to back, okay? We're going to serve the bread and come right behind it and serve the cup. And then we'll sing again, then we'll take the elements. This is what April made me. Sometimes we don't think about the first bloodshed being in the Garden of Eden, you know, because they sinned and they, they made fig leaves, but those fig leaves were temporary, right? Fig leaves. But God symbolic, you know, covered their nakedness by the, by the skins of an animal, which means there was bloodshed. And this lesson was what Adam and Eve taught, you know, their children. And they understood the blood covering. And... And then Christ was the second Adam, right? Didn't sin, but died for sin.
Let's go ahead and sing that second verse, Walter, if you'd like. There's a song called "The Day My King, the King Wore His uh, The King Wore My Crown," right? Something like that. Walter, am I messed up? The day, the day he wore my crown. Talking about even though it's a crown of thorns, but he bore that for me. What's the name of that again? The day he wore my crown. Thank you. I'm not. I'm not dumb. I just you know I'm a little slow. The day he wore my crown. But the, the truth, you know, so the King Jesus shed his blood, and that crown was was for us folks this is a table of remembrance we want to remember the broken body the literal life of Christ that, and when we see him again he'll be in human glorified form oh, sometimes we don't even think about that and he'll have the scars he, he chose that stand together and we'll take the elements um, and y'all know the message you know it just says on the night that he was betrayed he took unleavened bread picture of sinlessness because they couldn't put leaven in it Passover leaven was sin so he takes this and he says this this is now going to be a picture of my body this is my body which is Broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he takes possibly the third cup of the Passover meal. And he said, This is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's sing that third verse, Walter. Lead us in prayer. God bless you. Our Father, we pause right now to thank you for this table. We thank you for what it means to our lives. May we abide in it, abide in your word, lead us and guide us each day this week now. We thank you for your love and your uh, service to us. In Jesus' name, amen.